Well, amen. I hope that uh, everyone had a great time of communion. It's good to see all of you. Thank you, Chase, for leading our thoughts, and, and I appreciate your openness about your own e communion experience. And uh, thank you as well, uh, Brad and Megan, for welcoming us, and Eli and Janssen for that inspiring uh, I want to be a sheep, and uh, so we don't want to be a hypocrite. So uh, welcome to all of you who are watching uh, at home. Uh, it's great to see you, and uh, great to be together here. If you are here and you got a mask on, uh, you know, if you've tried to speak in front of a bunch of people with a mask, you realize that how much interaction there is with the whole face. So I need your smiles in your eyes, you know, smiles. I need to uh, uh, allow your voice to hear. Uh, if you're with me or if you get it, I need an amen. Or if you think that was a horrible point, just to say boo, hiss. Uh, no, keep that to yourself. Uh, but anyways, and so I've got a lot to say this morning. I'm excited about our message, Luke chapter 6. You can be turning over there. And so I was just, I was just going to hop right into the message and not... Um, not to, uh, uh, you know, spend any time on dad jokes. At this point, you go, boo, right? But on the way to church this morning, on the radio, you're not going to believe it. It was a sign from heaven above. Uh, there was dad jokes on the radio. It was like a public service message about being a good dad. And so I thought, mm, going to have to start with the joke. There it is again. Um, so, uh, now I forgot it. No, I got it. I got it. So, um, why do you have to be careful when it's raining cats and dogs? Thank you, Jay. That's why we like her. Uh, because you might step in a poodle. I know at home you can hear this incredible laughter going on in the front row. And why did the skeleton not go to uh, the dance? Close. Because he did not have any body to go with. You guys like the first one better? Yeah, me too. Thanks, Jay. Jay loves them all. Okay, I'll go ahead and start my timer. We'll get into the get into the message uh, today. Um, okay, we're going through talking about being strong in Christ, and the title of today's message is Strong in Christ, Loving Our Enemies. Loving Our Enemies. You know, if we're going to be strong in Christ individually, if we're going to be strong in Christ uh, collectively, we need to be unified. Now, I have a PowerPoint, and we're going to see how this how this goes. Okay, I think it's going well. Uh, we need to be unified, but our unity is always under attack. Our unity, whether it be in our marriages, whether it be in our families, whether it be in our households, whether it be in, in, in our communities, our unity is always under attack. The world, uh, we see this more in our world today than ever, right? Um, and that shouldn't surprise us because the world outside of Christ is always going to be uh, divided. But the kingdom is a vision of unity. The kingdom of God is, its vision is for that all nations come together to be joined as one in Christ. 
but disunity, therefore, just like Romans 12 says, do not be conformed to the pattern of the world. Disunity will always be taken from the world and try to creep its way into the church. Does that make sense? But we, with the Spirit of God in us, are not to be conformed to the pattern of the world, but to be transformed by uh, the power of the Spirit, by the renewing of our minds. You know, we see this in the, in the book of 1 Corinthians, that unity was a major issue in the church. They were struggling with their unity, and their temptation primarily was to camp up, okay, to camp on up. And we see chapter 1, someone's like, well, I'm in Paul's camp, I'm in Peter's camp. No, 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 me, I'm above it all. I'm in Christ's camp. Uh, and so this is what we see, whether it be race, economics, uh, favoritism, moral, religious. Uh, we are called as Christians to be perfectly united in mind and thought. And that's only going to happen if we have not my mind, not your mind, but the mind of Christ. Amen? The mind of Christ. Uh, our world today is camping up. Liberal, conservative, Republican, Democrat, Black Lives Matter, Blue Lives Matter, pro-life, pro-choice, on and on and on. And if the only way we're going to be unified is if we just find that everyone who thinks like we do and is in our little camp, there's not going to be any unity, not only in our world, but also in the church. And it's pretty well known, it's pretty clear that the church has failed historically to be the kingdom of all nations that Jesus called it to be. But that's our vision. That's our hope. And we're not giving up on that vision. Amen? we got to figure out, as brothers and sisters in the Lord, how can we be unified? Not by checking out our convictions or our minds or having, like, well, we're just going to not talk about that at church. No, that's a shallowness of unity that isn't going to cut it. Amen? The mind of Christ. I believe today's message, this mind of Christ being revealed in Luke chapter 6 is one of the biggest keys of unity, even in the church. Say, like, what do you mean? Loving our enemies. That's outside. No, no, no. If we can love our enemies and have minds, the mind of Christ in this, then we can really love one another, love our brothers, love our neighbors, uh, love our friends. Amen? Okay. So the thesis of our time today is this. The thesis, I, I have, I, forgive me, uh, Eli and Grayson, I'm sure will correct me. My thesis is too long, so I, I just want you to know that I know, okay? <laughs> uh, but I have a two-sentence thesis. The community of Christ must move beyond loving only our brothers, neighbors, and friends and those in the camp with which we identify and into actively and uncomfortably loving our enemies. We must move beyond simple tolerance or subtle withdrawal and into a deep and loving engagement with whom we are different, disagree, and even dislike. Loving our enemies doesn't mean you have to like them. It doesn't say like your enemies, but it does say love them. And that's a big difference, okay? Uh, let's read here Luke chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 17 through 38 in 45 through 49. 
and then we're going to break this up. Okay, so what we've talked about, what I've talked about in Luke so far is we see strength uh, given by Christ in his prayer ministry, in his healing ministry, in his discipling ministry, and in his teaching ministry. So we've covered those four things. We see kind of a microcosm of this in the first part of chapter 6, and then, and then 20 verse on, we see incredible teaching of Jesus' ministry, setting really the standard of his ethical, moral uh, behavior. In my community, if you're going to be my disciple, this is how we roll. This is our culture, okay? So in 17, it says, Jesus came down with them and stood on a level place, and there was a large crowd of his disciples, a great throng of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were being cured. All the people were trying to touch him, for power was coming from him in healing them all. We need the power of Christ today. We need the power of Christ to come out from him, to come out from his word, to come out from his spirit, and to heal. Does our world need some healing? Especially when it comes to this idea of unity? Absolutely. So how does that healing happen? It's prayer, it's teaching, it's power through healing, and it's discipling, okay? So we see that all kind of microcosm there. Okay, verse 20. So now, now this is parallel. There's a lot of parallels to the Sermon on the Mount, but if you'll notice, uh, it says he came into a plain. So this is often called Sermon on the Plain. Of course, there's debate. Is it the same sermon, whatnot? Um, we, don't, we don't really need to get into that. There are similarities, but there's also differences. And so it could be a different sermon uh, with the same themes, or it could be uh, the same sermon, but Luke drawing out uh, different emphases as his main audience is more the Gentiles than as in Matthew, it's more the Jews. Okay, So it doesn't really matter. What we know is that this is incredible teaching uh, from Jesus. All right. So verse 20, And turning his gaze toward his disciples, he began to say, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you and ostracize you and insult you and scorn your name as evil for the sake of the Son of Man. Now, you were sitting here like, excuse, what is he talking about, right? This isn't blessing. That's what the curse. See, the world says these things are a curse, but Jesus says, no, there's something richer. There's something deeper. And remember, he says, he's speaking to his disciples, Peter, James, John. What have they? They've just left their businesses. They've just left their homes, right? And they're probably feeling a little poor. They're probably feeling a little hungry. They're probably feeling a little... Now, Matthew kind of maybe uh, spiritualizes these things, but Jesus doesn't say poor in spirit. He just says poor. See, the poor are in a position of reliance. They rely, have to rely on God, okay? Um, and, then, and then there's some woes here, okay? But woe to you who are rich, for you are receiving your comfort in full. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. And woe to you when all men speak well of you, for their fathers used to treat the false prophets in the same way. This could be about five sermons right here. So I'm just going to try to summarize. Jesus is not anti-rich, okay? 
The problem is not in the amount of money. The problem is in our spirits. Our temptation when we have a lot of money is we don't need God. Right? Um, there's rich people in the scriptures that are highly lifted up. So it's, it's not about just that. It's about uh, our, our hearts. Okay? Um, blessings and woes. There's invitation here and warning. Okay? Invitation and warning. Uh, oftentimes, we, it's, you know, we respond to invitation. But a lot of times, we, we don't really get our attention until there's a warning involved. And I know that uh, when I was actually wrestling with, should I go in the ministry as a 20-year-old, as a it was this verse in Luke chapter 6. Because one of my main idols was, I, and this, I had just become a disciple, so I was full of the world. I wanted to be rich, and I wanted to be liked by everyone. And I wanted to have this easy comfortable life, just work eight to five, leave work at work, and uh, uh, make lots and lots of, lots of, actually my theme song when I, before I was a disciple was, I want to be rich, I want to be rich, it's like an early 90s song, and uh, uh, man, God had it in for me, okay, um, so anyways, but it was huge cost, and as a disciple, I had decided when I confessed Jesus as Lord, that I am going to follow Jesus and sacrifice my comfort. I'm going to sacrifice this worldly fulfillment. I'm going, to dis I'm going to sacrifice momentary happiness, and I'm going to sacrifice being accepted by everyone in order to follow Jesus. Because when you follow Jesus, you follow a crucified Christ who was not comfortable, not fulfilled on this earth, uh, went through many hardship and trial and suffering and was ultimately rejected by even his closest friends and went to the cross. So when we experience this as disciples, I'm going to try to, boom, got that? See that? Oh, there. So that there is to keep me in the screen, okay? So sorry about that at home. When we say Jesus is Lord, we're saying, we're putting on the cross, we're laying down this, I need to be comfortable. I need to be fulfilled, I need to be happy, I need to be accepted by all. These things cause us to stumble and struggle spiritually. When we follow Jesus, it's not that these things are evil in of themselves, it's the false and temporary lie that the world gives us of what's going to make us happy, what's going to make us comfortable, right? It's temporary, it's shallow. And the true and eternal comfort is the comfort of God. The true and eternal fulfillment is the fulfillment of the Holy Spirit. Amen? It's the happiness that comes from, from giving, not receiving. It's more blessed to give than receive. And I'm going to be accepted by the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen? That's where my true acceptance comes from. Whether people like it or not, I don't need that anymore. Amen? It's, so, it's actually the pathway to the truest and eternal of all these things. Okay, so I'm not even into loving our enemies, but that is so, so good. Okay, uh, let's read on. Verse 27, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies. So he just said, you're going to have lots of, if you're going to follow me, you're going to be rejected. So it's crucial how you'd handle that rejection. Right here, he says, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. 
Whoever hits you on the cheek, offer him the other. Guys, this is some of the most challenging teachings of all of Jesus. If you hit, someone hits you on the cheek, offer him the other also. Whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt from him either. Give to everyone who asks of you. Whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. Treat others the same way you would want them to treat you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. See, there's the camping up. It's easy to love the ones who are in your camp. Even sinners do that. There's great unity amongst a particular party, political party, but is there unity between both of them? Okay, that's what the kingdom of God should call us to. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Did you pick up on the themes here? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And here's where we're getting into the deepest motivations. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. For He Himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. You know what? When we have a problem loving, when this is a struggle, the reason is because we don't know God yet. We don't know God yet because God is kind and merciful in His character. He's gracious to those who are ungrateful, to those who are not treating Him the way he deserves. Who of us treats God as he deserves? Right? None of us, of course. So this is in the character of God. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will, be, you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Pardon, and you will be pardoned. Give, and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For by your standard of measure... It will be measured to you in return. And he goes on, verse 39, to, to this, uh, and I want, I want to skip down to uh, uh, verse uh, 45. It says, The good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good. And the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil, for his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? In Jesus' mind, it's just like, excuse me, this does not make sense. Why would you call me Lord and not do what I say? You know, uh, um, this youngin here in the front row uh, this past week, had a, we had a discussion about who the boss really was. And this wasn't a reactionary four-year-old, I'm throwing a tantrum. It was literally an even-keeled, rational thinking in her mind that, actually, I'm the boss. That's what she said. And I said... I would actually love that. Could you please, you know, parent me? But it's not the way it is. I'm actually the boss. And she said, no, I'm the boss. I'm like, no, actually, I'm the boss. <laughs> right? Remember that talk there? Yeah, okay. She's, I don't, she's still not quite convinced. See, Jesus is like, listen, I'm the Lord. I'm the Son of God. You don't, if you don't do what I say, why are you calling me Lord? Does not compute, right? Okay, see, sometimes it's not, it's just, 
if we want Jesus to be our Savior, He's going to have to be our Lord. What does it mean to have Jesus as Lord? Do what He says. Okay? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when a flood occurred, the torrent burst against that house and could not shake it because it was, had been well built. But the one who has heard and has not acted accordingly is like a man who built a house on the ground without any foundation. And the torrent burst against it and immediately it collapsed and the, and the ruin of that house was great. Okay, let's get into this here. Um, loving our enemies. Let's talk about what Jesus says here. The world's love says this when it comes to your enemies. Withdraw from your enemies. Uh, you lose your peace. There's a, there's a loss of internal peace. Now, I'll explain that a little bit more. We camp up, like we've talked about. Uh, there's an ever-deepening divisiveness. It's not getting better, it's getting worse. And that's what we see in our world, right? It doesn't take a rocket scientist to see. And the world is overcome by evil. The world is overcome by your enemies because you have no answer, you have no response. But Jesus says, no, we're going to do things different around here. We don't withdraw from our enemies, we actually engage. You actually lean into those who are not like you, those who disagree with you, okay? There's an independent peace because our peace doesn't come from how another person responds to me. God loves me. I'm filled with his love, so I love others. Whether they respond to that or not, that's their deal. That's not my deal. This is why Jesus says, let your peace return to you. You don't let another person steal your peace. So when we're codependent on everyone liking us, we can have no peace. Even if everyone likes us because it's not going to be long, someone's not going to like you the way you need to be liked right? But when you love your enemies, their response to you does not dictate your action toward them. You can be at peace. Amen? It's a beautiful thing. Um, it deepens our strength and unity because we're not divided by differences. We're actually joined together through mutual respect and humility and listening through diffidence. And this kind of love overcomes the world. Romans 12, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with retaliation? Nope, with good. So either we are overcome or we overcome. As the church, as Jesus' church, as Jesus' community, he's saying, hey, in my community, evil will not overcome us because of how we're going to respond. Amen? Okay. I, I know this is small. It's too small. I'm breaking all PowerPoint rules. So take a picture of it and you can zoom in on it. But I, I want to just show, this is, these are, this is how Jesus, dis, this is very challenging for us. Okay, so he's like, I got to break this on down for us. Let me just explain to you exactly what I mean. Okay. Oops, wrong button. Okay. Uh, circumstance, those who hate you. Okay. The world says, there's, there's two kind of uh, uh, ways the world is acceptable to respond. One is you retaliate, okay? Uh, but the other, which is more subtle and slick and deceptive, is more of a, what I'm summarizing as withdrawal, to withdraw, okay? Um, those who hate you, if you retaliate, you just hate them back. You just do bad to them, okay? This is what I kind of call uh, a kindergarten level, 
All right? They, why'd you hit them? They hit me first. That's really, this is where we're at, okay? Kindergarten, can I say this? Kindergarten slash politics. <laughs> that's the level. I'm sorry if that's offensive. Uh, I think there's good public servants, so I don't want to, but if you just retaliate, you just do bad. But a more subtle is when someone hates you, just do nothing. And we all said, just walk away, right? I've even taught my kids, hey, walk away. That's not exactly what Jesus said. He said, do good to them. Engage. Okay? Those who curse you, curse them back. Avoid or bless them. Bless them. Um, those who mistreat you, mistreat them back. Avoid them or pray for them. Pray for them. Those who strike you, turn the other cheek. You can either strike them back or you can walk away. I heard, what does it mean to turn the other cheek? I heard this one. Someone said, you stay within striking distance. Boy, that's challenging, right? When I'm, when I'm feeling hurt emotionally, the last thing I want to do is initiate a time of coffee with that person. I want to avoid them, right? Um, but to stay, to stay vulnerable. Boy, that's challenging. But that's Jesus' call. And that's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. That's what God does to you and I. He stays vulnerable. Those who steal from you, steal back, or just absorb the loss, or offer them more. Uh, hey, I'm going to steal your coat. Here's my shirt, too, or my shoes, anything else you'd like. Excuse me, what? Right? That's the radical love. That's the otherworldly love. Uh, those who ask from you, take, decline, or give. Those who are different from you, this is, now this gets down into the do not judge part. Now, this do not judge has been abused by religious people who just, they don't want to have any conviction. So they're all, do not judge. And the Bible actually says to, in another spot, to judge correctly, judge spiritually. But Jesus is saying, when it comes to our enemies, one of the reasons they're enemies is because we're so quick to judge. We're so quick to draw conclusions about their heart and their wrong, etc. So here he's saying, don't judge. There's a judge, and it's not you, it's God. Stay judgment free, and don't even just suspect, you know, this middle column is, I suspect you're wrong, versus do not judge, and then the pardoning, those who have hurt you, condemn them, uh, and when I say probation, it's like, well, I forgive you, but I'm not like, going to let you anywhere near me until you've proven that you are different and actually more like me. That's full of quickness to judge and slowness to forgive. Jesus says, be slow to judge, quick to forgive. That's challenging, right? Okay. Um, or being uh, pardoned. Um, what do you guys think? It's a call higher, isn't it? It's intense, right? And Jesus says, this is how we're going to love and treat our enemies. What if, let's take this at a macro level. What if the nations in the world all obeyed this? What would we have? World peace. What if, what if all the races in the world did this? What if all the political uh, what if, what if, what if uh, Joe Biden and Donald Trump stood up and said, you know what, 
How can I bless you? I'm going to honor you above myself. Uh, what if all the Republicans and all the Democrats said, you know what, it, it, it may be best actually for you guys to win because we could use some balance. No, no, you know what, maybe, maybe you should, this humility, right? What would the world be like? Jesus is saying, if we can internalize this as the kingdom of God, this is when we'll be the salt and the light of the world. Um, I want to talk about this. We've got a few minutes left. I want to talk about um, I want to talk about uh, uh, I want to be open with you guys about how I was not slow to judge. So the other day, you guys like stories of our house? So the other day, Christy and I came home and there was the kitchen. We walked into the kitchen. Now we have three teenagers. And a, and a plus one, okay? So he walked into the kitchen, and guess what was all over? It's pizza, pizza box things, plastic everywhere, crumbs everywhere, dishes piled up over in the sink. And I was just like, <sighs> so you know what I did? I sent a nasty gram. I sent a Snapchat to the kids with pictures of offenses, and... It was along the lines of, I'm just going to be super open with you. I'm literally going to read this, okay? Uh, I, I, have, I have since regretted uh, uh, seeing that actually it got erased. I guess that's the good and evil of Snapchat. Uh, but it was along the lines of, uh, how did this happen? Uh, from this point on, we're going to have a no slob rule. Anything left out is going to be a $10 fee. Second offense, $15. Third offense, $20. Uh, you know, and I was just not like Jesus. Um, came from the other room said, um, Dad, that we need to communicate. And I was like, well, in this situation, I've told you 18 million times, so I'm just going to lay it out. <laughs> and then uh, the boys come home and, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I was like, it's okay. And then I got to thinking about this. How long has your family put up, especially my wife, 24 years tomorrow, amen, by the way, uh, congratulations to us, especially her, uh, I mean, not, that came out wrong, it's her putting up with me, okay, um, how many times have you left your dishes in the sink and you haven't gotten any nasty grams? How many times have you left your clothes in what we like to call purgatory in our house? It's not in the dirty clothes, but it's not in the clean clothes. It's like piled up there in my special place. How many times? And I was just like, oh, man, you, I, I'm sorry. I was wrong. Um, as I started to see my half-full coffee cup over here, my books and papers all over here strewn out in what I termed in my nasty gram as public places. And I was just like, man, you were so quick to judge and slow to forgive, not like Jesus. Are you with me here? This is how, it seems like a minor thing, but this is how relationships really get hurt. Okay, I'm going to wrap this up. Um, why? Ultimately, Jesus says there's going to be reward. He says, with the measure you, you guys ever tried to fill, um, tried to fill uh, lawn bags with leaves? And you pile, those, pile that in that lawn bag, right? 
And what do you have to do? And, and we've tried this, right? The kid's like, let's go fill those lawn bags. And so all the leaves are all full of air and it's puffed up. It's like, no, you got to press that thing down. You gotta, and so you step on it, you jump on it, you, you pound it on the ground and everything goes down. See, when we give, when we love our enemies, this is the standard God gives. It's like, when you do that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pour into your lap. I'm going to shake it down. I'm going to measure it. I'm going to give you, Jesus said, a hundred times as much in this age and in the age to come, eternal life. Amen? So when we love our enemies, when we do good to them, um, there's great reward. And secondly, he says, you're a child of God. Now, I don't think we earn our childhood of godness, of course. We don't earn it. But God is watching how we treat others. He's watching. We're called to treat them the way he's treated us, with merciful kindness, even when we're enemies. Romans 5 says, hey, while we were still enemies, Christ died for us. This is an example. He lived out everything he's describing here. So some closing, some closing uh, challenges. Choose to follow Jesus. If you're living for comfort, riches, acceptance, whatever, you're going to be, you're going to live a miserable life. Choose to follow Jesus. Give those things up. He will return in time, in this age to come, age to come, eternal life. Um, if you've been guilty of a retaliatory heart, go to them. Hey, I'm sorry. I want to listen. I want to repair. If we've been guilty of those who are different than us, of subtle withdrawal, subtle withdrawal, it's time to say, hey, I think we need to have a talk. Can we meet for coffee? I think we need to listen to one another. Uh, decide to love them through blessing them, praying for them, um, doing good, and giving. This is, these are the repeated themes from Luke chapter 6. Bless, pray, do good, and give. And as a church, as a church, let's commit through loving our enemies that we will build our family on the rock. Amen? We will build this on the rock of Christ with the mind of Christ and then together our church, when the storms come, I think we're in a storm. I think we're being tested. When the storms come, we will not be overcome, but we shall overcome whatever storm comes our way now and forever. Amen?